This is one that I love playing, but I suck at singing. So we'll see how it goes. Um, it's about, it's called Timeless Sea. It's about, uh, well, after my good friend's wedding by the ocean side, I went on a night swim, and that's where this came from. Record of the waters turn. 
and welcome to The Room of Lives. I'm your host, Neil, and today we are sitting with my multi-talented fellow physics PhD student, Stefan Eccles. In the previous episodes, we talked about his cosmology research, but also about climbing, hiking, and Brazilian jiu-jitsu. In this section, we'll talk about a hobby that is close to both of our hearts, music. Stefan and I have both had stints in making and performing music, some of it right here in Austin, the live music capital of the world. We both played the drums, but my short career eventually ended with getting kicked out of a band, as I will disclose. Stefan has had a longer one, and it still continues with his original songwriting and singing, which you'll get a lovely taste of today. So please join us in this section of our conversation that's dedicated to music, although it's still going to be 90% talking. Coming to a different aspect of uh, your hobbies, You've had a bit of a career in making music, oh. making and playing music. Can, can you describe your uh, trajectory in music <laughs> so far, briefly? Yeah, sure. I would definitely say I'm a hobbyist. Music's important to me in consuming and creating it, but I'm, I don't really... I guess if people ask me if I'm a musician, I do say yes, but I, like, I realize how novice I am at everything I do. But... So I, I started as a kid in piano lessons just because my parents made me. I'm, I guess I'm glad they did, but my dad wanted us to sing, but I was way too timid to sing. Um, so I basically refused that. They let us choose instruments, and I chose drums cause just because I thought they were cool. So I started taking private kit lessons. I don't really remember the age. Probably sometime in middle school, but uh, eventually in high school, I also joined the high school percussion band which was really a joke, like, not, not, I'm not saying everyone sucked, I'm saying the class, like, we were separate from the rest of the band, and, The, uh, the percussionists were separate? Yeah, yeah I've we, always hated how the whole world of music treats percussionists. <laughs> well, they don't mind it, they like being different, I think, but, uh, it, I mean, we would practice the guy who ran it, was a really interesting character he was fun and he he put a lot of heart into it but mostly to the band side and the percussion half days if he would come out of his office or show up <laughs> half the days he wouldn't and we'd just be there goofing off you know in theory we're supposed to be practicing but we had just so much fun in that class doing things you know games that we made up and things but it's it was it was extremely fun um i mostly learned from that though that i liked kit more than any of the other things playing in a percussion ensemble is really fun Everyone has a part that's precisely syncopated, and you get some really you know cool primal feeling. Everyone's beating on things, <laughs> and you're doing it well. <laughs> um, but uh, I would have preferred to be practicing on the kit. We did have a kit, but the main guy didn't like it when myself or the other people who played kit went back and practiced. He's like, "No, do your do your snare exercises." Or whatever. Uh, we actually, I remember one of my friends and I did a drum battle at a talent show back then. <laughs> I don't know how he persuaded me to do it because that's so against anything I would do. I was so quiet, so timid, and I didn't like anything school-related, really. And I remember, as a funny funny addition, 
my friends told me. So I mean, the whole point of it was we'd go out in the dark with these glow-in-the-dark drumsticks. <laughs> we went to the drum stage, drum sets on the opposite sides of the stage, and you know went back and forth. And yeah. Did all this crazy stuff that yeah. probably sounds terrible. Which, which by the way, it. this is there is this additional gimmick. The the fact that you're playing in the dark is this additional gimmick. It it's not any harder. Once you're a drummer, it's not like you're using your eyesight to locate where to place your uh, sticks. It just becomes muscle memory. So you can do the same thing in the dark, but to the audience, it just looks one step <laughs> cooler. Harder. I guess. Yeah. Yeah, and I liked the fact that it was in the dark because no one could see me and actually that's where i was heading as soon as it ended i basically put down the sticks and walked off the stage before the lights even came back on and my friends commented on that later they're like man you were gone <laughs> but that's yeah yeah which, which uh, makes me think now you know the band daft punk uh-huh. it's just two men oh, in this yeah. uh, masks and whatever they say um it scrolls by on their mask in electronic letterings that's it could so just cool. be talented musicians like you, just shy. You know? <laughs> just, they just never want anyone to see who they are. Or once you reach a certain level of fame, there's just other reasons for not wanting to be recognizable. Mm. But yeah, that could be. I had other, I mean, later on I would join a band in my undergrad days that was part of a Christian organization. And we would play for maybe 500 people at a time on a really big day. Wow. But that that type of crowd and playing for that was something that I also was, I was not comfortable with it at all. But that setting was fortunate just because we would rock pretty hard, but you're not supposed to be drawing attention to yourself if you're just leading a group of people in songs in that context. So I was more comfortable with it for that reason. And they had like a, they had like a drum shield, which is basically to quiet it uh, relative to everything else. So I was like, oh, I can just go hide behind this drum shield and play. What is a drum shield, by the way? Oh, okay. Uh, it's it's like just a just a wall of plastic that you set up around the drum kit, and it deadens the sound so that it's not disproportionately loud. And in fact, we mic'd everything up so that someone had control of how loud everything was. Um, but it was like also an extra little visual barrier barrier to the see through. But I felt like, oh yeah, I can. I I don't have. I mean, I didn't feel the full force of the straight stage fright that I would have otherwise had. Yeah. I mean, did you deal with stage fright at all, or are you just so? Well, I guess I I have to give a little background that oh, yeah. I, I I was also when I was in undergrad I started playing the drums. I guess one big reason was that no one really wanted to play the drums, so the the drums just sat there. Uh, so that's why I chose the drums. But the other reason was. Um, it had this timing thing that that uh, was like hey, it's like a little puzzle and I, it's it's this so mathematical and I have to get to the bottom of this and also you have to use multiple limbs and it's a synchronization thing so I got into drums and when I was in undergrad I played with a progressive rock group yeah. for a while before I left and that was a lot of fun. I just wasn't a very good drummer. I guess for most of the time I was good enough for them. Um, <laughs> but I do remember, I guess I have alternated between feeling that um, I don't get enough of the limelight. I'm uh, all the way in the back. Um, they don't even see me behind the drums. And also at other times I felt, oh, holy shit, I, I would much rather be anywhere than this stage. I would. I'm not, I'm supposed to be having a good time. Like I'm, 
I'm up on the stage. I'm playing rock. <laughs> I'm the, supposed to be like this rock star person. I'm playing the drums. Why am I feeling so nervous and anxious and miserable? Um, because I would be scared of uh, messing it up. So yeah, there have been ups and downs. Um, when I came to Austin to start my PhD, I left this uh, rock group, but I knew that Austin had this live music scene that I wanted to get into in some form. And it was during my very first year that you lent me your childhood drum kit. And that I felt that was a very warm gesture. I, <laughs> I, I felt... Uh, a lot more welcome, in fact, that, oh, oh yeah. hey, I come in here and like, I have all these buddies already and one of them like <laughs> lent me his drum kit. Um, so, yeah. And I remember uh, a third friend, it was actually Josiah who helped me move all of that heavy stuff into my apartment. I'm like, ah, I'm off to a flying start making friends <laughs> and making music in Austin. So, yeah, I mean, I, I did play for a blues ba band here for a while and then eventually I stopped so yeah that was my fairly short career do you hope to start <laughs> again at any point um for a while so what happened is they actually kicked me out of that band because I left at a short notice in summer uh, yeah. I went back to India and they found a new drummer to to replace me so when I got back and I heard the news that they have a new drummer, I had this knee-jerk reaction of trying to find another band. Um, but then eventually I realized, well, A, if you're not playing with a band as a drummer, you don't end up playing a lot. It's not like a piano or a guitar or something like that. Um, I, I mostly enjoy playing the drums with other people. Mm -hmm. So since I did not get into a band, I kind of stopped playing the drums. I returned the drum kit to you. And eventually, I ended up feeling not so sad that I left the drums because, frankly speaking, I mean, I, I managed to keep my life filled with a lot of distractions. <laughs> so I'm, I'm not too saddened by the fact that even if I never get back into drumming, I don't think it will make me too sad. I, I tried my hand at it. It was, you know, whatever. I got the experience. Uh, there are more things to things to try. So, yeah, <laughs> that description suits you. It's perfect. Yeah. So yeah. So that was my um, little career um, in making music there. Um, but tell me a little bit more about your more recent ventures in, oh, yeah. in music making, your so, singing and guitar. Oh, that recent. You're finally, your. Oh, uh, I mean, if you, if you did, have some stories leading up to that, please, please do. Yeah, I did eventually start playing in a different band in mm -hmm. undergrad days. Just a friend, well, a bunch of friends who individually were all very talented musicians. I don't think we were ever very good at figuring out how to be a band together. Like, we would always, our interest in the project would wax and wane, like, out of sync with each other. So it was hard to organize Was practices. this uh, the band called The Public Library? Yeah, that was it. Yeah. Um, so we had really, you know, a talented keyboardist. He was like classically trained pianist. He played viola for all the best symphonies in Montana. And we had a bass player who, as Garrett puts it, there's a big difference between people who play bass just because you don't need another guitarist and then people who actually play bass. Yeah. And this guy actually played bass. And then we had a guitarist who could totally shred 
although he was a metalhead, so there were stylistic clashes. <laughs> but I think it, it resulted in an interesting fusion. But then also there was Garrett, the main guy, who I thought the strength of our band was that he wrote super good songs. Like, at least they meshed with the style of stuff that I like to listen to. Not lyrically boring. What, what kind of genre was... Um, it was also uh, progressive rock, I guess, mm. post-rock. Yeah, we always compared ourselves to like Weezer and Brand New and Explosions in the Sky. Mm. It's a band from Austin. Um, but like very heavy, but also very melodic. Like there were definitely poppy melodies in there. Um, a lot of distorted guitars. I, anyway, it was a ton of fun playing with them. We played in Montana a lot. We tried to make some recordings. We didn't know how to do that really at first, so <laughs> it was a long, painful process. But we finally got a few that were okay. Um, but um, then by the time I was ready to leave Montana for grad school, we decided we'd all spend a summer like maybe going to a big city and playing music there. Mm. And just looking around at our options, we landed on Austin, and then we all kind of not all of us but some of us independently realized that we had other reasons to go to austin like for me there's this great physics program one of them had like a, a family connection in a really good job here and one had well one is just interested in music and austin's a great music scene no matter what he ended up doing so just drop that in <laughs> <laughs> That's um, uh, anyway at least those three the three of us moved down here together um, with the hopes of finding new members and starting up, little did we realize how uh, busy we would all be with our separate lives. So we never really did that. We did briefly, actually. You know Alex, and also physics uh, works in particle, like on Alice, I think. That's What's his last name? Alex uh, Jens. Alex Jens. Big guy, yeah, yeah, yeah. tall guy. Yeah, curly hair. Curly yeah. hair. I don't think I've hung out with him much. Okay. No. Yeah, I, I've only. I mean, that was the most I interact with. Interact ever. With him. I think I don't think I've ever hung out with him. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, he's. Uh, I'm remember as you tell me his name. I'm just remembering his Facebook profile photo. That's <laughs> how little I know him. Yeah. Nice. He's a cool guy and a talented guitarist. Mm. We picked him up as our guitarist and a friend of his as bassist, and we started practicing together a bit, but. We all were just too busy, I think. So we never never really continued playing down here. Mm. And because of that, I also, you know, I gave up drumming more or less because I'm living in apartments yeah, where it's the other for your neighbors. So yeah. yeah. Um, and I started trying to learn acoustic guitar. I guess I'd done a tiny bit of that in college, undergrad, but um, it's definitely a more convenient instrument to play on your own late at night um, in an apartment complex. Mm. And I play very quietly, you know, it's that timidity coming up. <laughs> uh, but only recently did I actually try and start writing songs. Um, and I'm still like a total beginner at it. But you were nice enough. I showed you one, which I'd never, I don't think I'd really shown many people that I'd, any songs that I'd written ever before. So <laughs> I showed you and Yorgos and uh, Mitri and George mm. that one song. And you were encouraging enough about it. You're like, oh, you should record it. So I tried yeah. to record it. On my iPhone. Yeah. And then I just kept, I still have a bunch of song ideas that I write periodically. Basically, when I'm discouraged with research, I'll spend too much time playing guitar now. Mm. <laughs> yeah. So, so that song, so I'm a huge fan of that song, by the way. And it's <laughs> partly, so it's called The Time Machine. Yeah. And it's partly, mostly, I think, 
it's because you told us a little something about what inspired you to write that song. So I, I told you at the beginning of the podcast that I'm going to request you to play this song. <laughs> Uh, but but before you do, if you can tell me a little bit about the inspiration for the song, so that sure. we can we can understand the lyrics. I think the the lyrics were really good. So I, yeah. Sure. Um, it was. I was thinking about three different people and combining them into one character. Kind of. Um, two of them are my two grandfathers. Uh, so one. I mean, this, the details that I'm giving you will make more sense, I guess, when you hear the lyrics. But one of them uh, had dementia in his later years and kind of... He never made... I mean, he lived far away, so we weren't that close to him, but he never made that much of an effort to be close to us. He was pretty isolated. And he definitely just struck me as a sad character at the end of his life. Um, the other grandfather, who actually lived in the same town as me, uh, much closer to my family, his wife died, and he didn't... He didn't you know, push everyone away or isolate isolate himself completely, but you could definitely tell he was much more melancholy after that and you really missed her. Um, so that is part of the song. And then uh, the other character is just myself because I'm the one who's obsessed with time travel and <laughs> or I like it. Plus, I was feeling really lonely when I wrote the song, so it was easy to put that into the character. Um, but yeah, that's basically where it came from. Mm. So if you would not mind giving us a sure. listen... Oh jeez. <laughs> relax, relax, Stephanie. See, I'm I'm so no pressure, but weird better make this about good. things like this. When Neil initially asked me to do this interview, I, I turned him down. I was like, that's a really good idea. But no, I won't come on. <laughs> <laughs> but I knew even then that I had the power to persuade you given time. Yeah, yeah, you did. something I wrote. Mm -hmm. I'm just kidding. It's not, <laughs> not the Beatles song. Um, okay. You want it all the way it was before. You're always living in the past. Write equations on your old chalkboard But what's become your only task? And they say Ever since she died he's not the same He barely knows his best friend's name You build your arc as they lie outside Only you can feel the rain You're racing time in more ways than one Either way you'll soon be done Arc as they laugh outside underneath your setting sun. At first, they tried to pull you out of your own head. You know exactly how it seems. You split your time between your garage and your bed. Always fixing your machine And they say Ever since she died he's not the same He barely knows his best friend's name You build your arc as they laugh outside Only you can feel the rain Erasing time in more ways than one 
will soon be done. You build your ark as they laugh outside, underneath your setting sun. really good yeah um i think i told you when you put this song up on the internet and i listened to it 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 drove me to tears oh my gosh yeah so glad yeah (laughs) (laughs) and then so this is funny more recently i was just thinking of that song and it drove me to tears again oh my gosh i wasn't even listening to it yeah that's uh thanks for telling me that's awesome yeah but I think a lot of power uh, was in the lyrics, actually, because the, uh, the language is very unladen. It's very simple. 
but I felt like it was the words were carefully chosen and it was very uh, well written cool and then, yeah. then I'll say that's the first song I've written that I like then because I, <laughs> I always look back at stuff that I like and, or that I wrote and hate it yeah yeah no I think that was really good yeah thank you yeah so have you tried much so I guess if you're playing drums it's hard to be the author of the song but uh, I did write uh, I used to write some poetry when I was mm younger and during my time in this um, band in India I actually wrote this song okay so what happened was that we were trying to uh, create a science festival at our institute which was a very young institute for science and we wanted to host a science festival every year and um, we were the only band on campus at the time, so it fell on us to write um, a song that we would perform um, during, um, I guess, the first or the second edition of the Science Festival. And so I wrote the lyrics for that song. Cool. And it was actually, when I, it, it's actually not a very optimistic song. Most of it was, uh, uh, most of the lyrics was actually a, uh, uh, a commentary on this consumerist society that's this rule that is being pulled over our eyes and we're just endlessly consuming without bothering to understand anything or figure out anything um, we're just at this end of this um, pipeline of technology and innovation there's this whole society that's riding on science and technology and endlessly consuming it without really trying to understand it and so the market plays us like uh, puppets on a string and so the the point of the song was that in such a day and age um, it 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 um, comes down to the section of the population that decide to rise above this endless consumerism and and, and, and think about the structure of things that get involved in the mechanism, um, the, the technology and the science that are ultimately going to uh, be the architects of the hmm. future. And so <laughs> I wrote this as a theme for a science festival, but most of it was this ranting in I, that respect. I have heard the song you're talking about, and I, yeah. I definitely would have put more, I mean, I, I was alternating between paying attention to the lyrics and the uh, musicians, but yeah, I liked the lyrics. Mm -hmm. I definitely would have put more of a positive spin on it if you hadn't told me all that. <laughs> so, oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Interesting. I'm gonna re-listen now, mm. but it makes sense. Actually, so the funny part is, uh, we knew that the song was going to have like uh, four parts, like verse, chorus, verse, chorus. And as I sat down writing the song, the the, the pessimistic part. Uh, took up three verses <laughs> and then I was like oh shit I have to put the like the optimistic part all in one <laughs> like okay it's too late now. I'm not but gonna it go all back ends well. <laughs> <laughs> just happily end. ever after with science <laughs> yeah <laughs> and then since I couldn't fit it into the song you just follow it with this little lecture at the end <laughs> yeah. sorry we have a crappy lyricist we just have to tell you this now yeah uh, don't no, know. That's, I'm sad. that's just the reason you make a second part called yeah in the anthology yeah so that song was called builders yeah um yeah so that was my little 
um, yeah, my little stint. Did yeah. you? You didn't sing it. Nope. I I cannot sing for the life of me. Oh. Yeah. Who's who sang it? There was this guy called Deep. Actually, he writes his name D E E P, so it's very deep. Uh, he is the one, and he he really likes to growl. So he will put a bit oh, of yeah. growling into every song. <laughs> so since he really insisted on growling, I said, yeah, you know, I mean, parts of this is dark, so yeah, I guess you can go ahead and growl. But he was a vocalist who didn't have very good memory, oh. or rather, what happened is he would read the lyrics a couple times, and then the then when we were rehearsing, just because he wasn't looking at the lyrics some of the words would change uh -huh. and he would not bother to go back and look at the original version. Oh. He would keep rehearsing that. Did that annoy you? Until, and I, as a lyricist, it really annoyed the yeah. fuck out of me. So I was like, dude, you're changing the whole point. What, <laughs> what is, and you're not like, you know, you have to be very clear when you're pronouncing the words. I, because oh, I was very really? possessive about the lyrics. I was like, don't, don't growl over it. Just, you know, people need to understand what you're saying. <laughs> so anyway. That's really funny. But that was, that was fun. That reminds me of a time when my band was playing at a cancer benefit. It was not some big show. It was like this thing where this auditorium was open and bands were in there all day and people could just come in and go. But it was a cancer benefit. And the, the main, you know, this thing that was repeated in the song was like, I'm about to die. <laughs> and instead he changed the lyrics to, I'm about to rise. <laughs> it's <was> funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I kind of want you to sing part of your song, but I guess you won't. I guess all of the cancer patients are singing along. <laughs> uh, no. Uh, no. Bad joke. All right. Thanks, you all, for joining Stefan and me today in the Room of Lives. In the next concluding part of our conversation, we'll talk about the role of religion, spirituality, and morality in our personal lives. Stefan will share what it was like to grow up deeply Christian in Mormon, Utah, and the impact that a career in science has had on his relationships with his community. We'll explore how science collides with religion on the questions of free will and the idea of salvation through grace versus through work. We will talk a little bit about Judaism and Buddhism and the connections between them. Finally, I ask Stefan how he envisions his life after his PhD. Meant to last, we sure were meant to be.